0: Hola, this is Lorena Junco-Margain, and I'm so excited for this journey. We decided to launch this podcast to share my story with the hope that you could connect the dots of your life and truly
1: be on your way. Today on On My Way, Lorena shares the unbelievable story of her medical journey that causes her life to be changed forever.
0: everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for having the time to join us in this amazing get-together on each discovering on our way. So let me share with you, I'm a proud mama of three. My oldest, Lorena, Patty, my second daughter, and Eddie. And after having Eddie, I was just not feeling right. Went to different doctors. They thought it was hormonal. Maybe I had just stopped breastfeeding and my hormones were not stabilized. Then they decided it was a depression. I went through a whole journey of even scanning my brain to find if there was anything related there that was affecting me. And I I was not able to find answers. Finally, through one of my sisters, uh, she had a health issue and her doctor saw my neck and noticed that I had some rings, which he noticed, he says, you know, your thyroid is being protected with extra fat. Um, Those rings of fat are telling me something. Can I, can I check? Can I touch your neck? And I was very surprised, you know, my sister was the one laying down, the sonogram being done on her thyroid. And I was totally surprised and I had already been feeling bad but I tend to always put myself in the back seat like I if someone is feeling bad and I was too I will just hush cuz I always give you know someone like the the preference so he touched my neck he said you know your thyroid seems right but anyway due to your sister's history I want I want to do some some blood work just to check your levels. And I was like, sure, you know, maybe he's, maybe he'll find an answer. And I was open to anything. So I did the blood work and, you know, when something's wrong, you have a, an immediate call and they told me my potassium levels were extremely low and it did make sense. I was eating a lot of bananas because I was having cramps in my calves And they asked me, you know, are you having a lot of cramps? Yes. Is it normal? Yes. So I had gotten to a point where feeling bad was a norm. So I totally lost compass about what feeling good or bad was since my last years had been very traumatic emotionally because I left the country without me wanting to. And then having the baby, my second baby, Uh, one month after arriving to the country and to the US and then back to back little Eddie. So I had been on a fight mode and had not been paying attention to what was really happening to me. So they, when I had little Eddie, um, I had a hernia repair and this amazing surgeon I thought he he totally stood up for the best standards. He sat down face to face. You know, his eyes, his gaze was beautiful. His hands were well manicured. His poise, everything about him gave me the the right knack. And he repaired my hernia. It was a successful surgery. So whenever I had to recur to him again, when they found out through my blood work that I had a, an adrenal tumor after a scan, they recommended some surgeons. And when I saw his name, I I, I knew that was a sign that it, was, it had to be him because we had a relationship and I know that he was ranked um, amongst the best. So went to him and, you know, it's very simple. We, now I know, but we, don't ask the right questions. I never even contemplated that there was a possibility of having a partial adrenalectomy versus, you know, if you have two, just snip one. That happens a lot with kidneys as well. So surgery was simple. My priorities were keeping up with the family agenda. That's a common thing in me. I want, I didn't want to be a burden. So Eduardo's parents, which I adore, came to Austin, took care of me. I asked Dr. Humano, and the reason I call him Humano is because of after all the searching, my conclusion, he's human, as I am as well. So we all make mistakes. But long story short, we had the surgery, and um, I felt worse after the surgery. And There's this term PTSD, which they attributed to post-traumatic stress syndrome, which they say that, you know, after going to war or after going through a surgery, you might have this kind of depression. And he was sure I was going through that. So I started on a journey of anxiety pills. I was truly feeling that bad that I wanted to die. Like I was like, maybe I just let go of this process. And because no one understands what I'm feeling. The more I tell people I'm not feeling well and I describe my symptoms, they think it's depression. And so maybe I was and I was open to the concept, but I, I did think I was thinking straight. So tried to pretend I was okay with the kids and I was truly not okay. I was losing my mind. And my body, and I just came open, open and vulnerable with Eduardo. And I told him, now I think I'm going nuts. I do think it's in my brain. I am in a depression. The surgery happened, and I feel even worse. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And so I started crying and crying, and Eduardo, you know, started crying with me. And for him to cry takes a lot. He he saw my desperation and my searching, and I was this. I had a very close relationship with Doctor Google, and things things every search I did did not look good. So I, I already had auto diagnosed me many multiple things, but not not the right one, cause it wouldn't have ever crossed my mind. <laughs> and um, eventually. Went to South Padre pretending, you know, our happy summer, you keep traveling, now the beach. And one day I just fainted outside of the red lobster because I was in my trying to feed my kids healthier. So I fainted there and ended up in Brownsville's ER. And when I told them I just had had surgery a month ago, they assumed I had um, internal bleeding. So... They rush me in and they find out I have a tumor. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my body is generating tumors by the second. You know, I had just one removed. My mom rushed in and um, my mom went to get a phone, uh, restroom or whatever. And I told Robbie, please call the doctor. And she called the endocrinologist instead of the surgeon that had removed the adrenal. And doctor said, that's weird because your body does not generate tumors that quickly. Could you please send me the scan? I just want to, you know, maybe it's a poor quality scan or something. We were blaming, blaming it on um, geography. So he receives a scan. He noticed it's exactly the same characteristics, same size, And so he calls the hospital and retrieves the other scans. And he notices the doctor had actually, the surgeon had actually removed the wrong side. And he immediately picked up the phone, called the surgeon and said, you know, I know what you did and you have to come to my office and tell Lorena. Sadly, he told me in the post-operation appointment that I had a bilateral condition so that I would eventually go back to him and have my second adrenal removed. So he he lied. He not only made a mistake, but he covered the situation and Dr. Blevins noticed that. So when I received the phone call, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, he cares about me. And I'm like, hello. And Dr. Blevins said, Lorena, I'm here with your surgeon and he has something to tell you. So basically, he just said, hey, how was your trip? You know, when you're feeling shitty and you say, how are you? And you say, fine. And you're like, why did I say fine? I'm actually feeling shitty. Well, that was the case with the doctor. Like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm in the hospital. And they just found a tumor. But instead of saying that, I'm saying, fine, and you? And then, fine. So like two minutes of small talk. And then he said, well, you know, I have to tell you something. I um." I don't know how this happened, but I removed the wrong side. You need to come back to Austin. uh, If you would like to make an appointment, we can follow up on this. And please know that I love you. And I remember I was outside in a parking lot. I just sat down and I was trying to understand. I couldn't even process it. And then, you know, he hung up and I'm like, what the hell? So I called my in-laws, could you please take care of the kids? And Eduardo was flying that day. He was commuting back and forth to Mexico due to his job. And I just went to my place and just was staring at the sunset as like, what do I do now? Um, Part of me was a relief that I, I was not going crazy, even though everyone wanted me to to think it was anxiety or depression, it was my heart had grown because the tumor was generating a hormone called aldosterone that made my heart pump and um, my potassium and my magnesium levels were up, off. Magnesium um, affects muscles, so the heart is a muscle. So all the everything I had been describing, there was actually... You know, if a doctor was truly listening, they would have said, oh, let me check this or let me check that. But anyway, after that, Eduardo came. I had to tell him he was beyond furious and I am not a very confrontational person. So when someone starts screaming, I just shut down and kind of hide. And I just wanted to be alive. That's the only thing I remember. Like, I cannot afford emotions right now. I, I, we just need to find a doctor. So um, Eduardo told my parents, you know, my in-laws, everyone was cussing, furious, and everyone, you know, diligent, typing, uh, searching up best doctors, making phone calls. Um, And I called Dr. Blevins at 3.30 a.m. I texted him and I'm like, I need your help, you know. I I, I feel like, uh... oh, they put me on medications to not have a heart attack. It was pretty severe. So we went back to Austin and one of the bravest persons I've met is Dr. Blevins, because even though he was not to take the blow, because he was not the one that did the harm, uh, he took the blow from my angry dad, mom, and Eduardo, and they were very fierce in asking questions. And, you know, I remember just sitting down Emotionless. I was like numb. I couldn't even process it. He was the one that got us the best surgeon at MD Anderson and and Dr. Perrier. Uh, she saved my life. She did a partial adrenalectomy, and right now I'm living on forty percent of one. But I did. You know, it, it altered my life. I have to have co- constant blood work and scans and. The adrenals work with the pituitary gland and with the thyroid, so they call it the Trinity. And I don't know, we hadn't learned about the important function of of the system in into our bigger system. And so I've learned a lot about my body, how to understand it. I learned about how to prepare for revenge. I invested two years on the perfect way for, with a lawsuit, getting the best lawyers. After the surgery had been successful, I had the strength to fight for that. And then I noticed I was becoming more resentful, more bitter. Eduardo and I, we were having more discussions, than normal, I was on the edge always and something was just not right. I lost my right abdomen um, I don't have enough strength, so a, a lot of sports, and my belly button flops to one side. So I was used to being this beautiful um, bikini body lady that now needs to, you know, wear scarves and stuff to to cover that. And it was totally anger driven that he kind of pulled off that from my life and. We were in Aspen and everyone went skiing and I was furious because skiing was one of my favorite sports. And I was talking to the lawyers and he was like, it's not fair that your doctor is going back to his wife and having sex. And here you are in a hospital bed and then you're not going to the meet the teacher thing at school. And so he would pump me up in a way that I was you know, greedier and wanted to punch harder. But then I started noticing that to punch, you know, it'll hurt anyway. And my knuckles would be bleeding. And then I would be also on the side of the perpetrator and the wrongdoer. So a lot of conversations with Renu, my counselor, and talking about flaws, the medical system, talking about how I had not been my health advocate, learning about my body, listening to my body, um, rebuilding my strength and body and spirit. And then one day I just, you know, wrote a letter as kind of a journaling exercise and I went to my counsel day with Renu and I said, Renu, I feel silly, but there's this letter I wrote on why I don't think I should sue. And Renu, when, when she saw, I was, you know, truly not wanting to do the lawsuit. She says, you know, why don't you write a book? Because I had asked the lawyers, what will this change in the system? I'll get the money, but after that, then what? And he says, you know, you can build a house, start a foundation, whatever you want. And what they want is to get very creative. So, for example, I couldn't, if there was a trial, I couldn't say I would fly in private because we needed money from the airlines. If, you know, I would have to downplay on jewelry, I would have to dress, basically being like the um, Mexican immigrant having a hard life, a hard marriage, kids that had been severely affected by my malpractice. So we were kind of doing all the fan of possibilities on where to get money, uh, including hospital, nurses, anesthesiologists, radiologists, like very creative. And when the lawyer said this would change nothing, I said, well... I prefer believing this happened to me for a reason. Instead of being cursed, I am being blessed. And thank God and my parents, I do not need the money as a way to survive. So I might take the long road and and write a book. There's There might be people out there that might benefit from me speaking up and relating to the dark moments of doubt and depression, and also of joy of surviving and being with my kids. And when I arrived home, I couldn't stop crying because I had literally left thinking I would never be back. So I hope you can all relate in whatever part it is, if it's in family, if it's in doubting your own decisions, if it is on finding the right doctor's the right counselors, and also about knowing how to surrender. I think that it was till then when I said, okay, I surrender, I've done everything, and let's just, let's see how that goes. And now it makes me so happy to see that the scenario is a room full of love, of laughter, of curious women wanting to learn and we're all here to connect dots. We all are on our way, learning new things. My, mine has been a journey of health. I know that for some, it's a journey of forgiving uh, hardships through their parents, or some have to forgive the husband, Or, but I just want to tell you that there is a way and it is within you. There's nothing in the external world that will change if you do, if you don't do the the process, the work. Because as everything, forgiveness is a muscle. You need to work it with little things, and it starts building up. As with any quality, you know, resilience, joy. Uh, it's just bringing it, bringing it into practice and preparing for it, and it gets to a point where it just, it clicks. And there's nothing heroic to it because it comes from within. It's not like you don't care if they see it or not because you're at peace. So I welcome you to join to explore, to see where and how you can connect. And please know that we're here to hold your hand. We will be handing you resources, ways to learn, email us, and we're all together on our
1: way. Lorena Junco Margain, passionate art collector, devoted wife and mother, is already shaken after fleeing Mexico with her family while pregnant due to concerns for their safety. After arriving in her new home in Austin, Texas, she learns she has a tumor on her adrenal gland. Although not life-threatening, the condition is serious and requires surgery right away. Having long experienced unexplained symptoms of dizziness and lethargy that neither medications nor holistic or Ayurvedic treatments have helped, she embraces the news with tears of relief. With a simple surgery, she can regain her strength and joyful spirit. But fate can be mischievous, and to err is human, even for surgeons. Rather than improve after surgery, her condition worsens. On the Way to Casalotus is the gripping true story of Junca Margain's journey coming to terms with the permanent consequences of a surgeon's devastating mistake. Mindful that even good people make errors and that vengeance such as legal action would not mend her broken body or soul, she chooses instead to embark on a quest for peace and healing, beginning by seeking space in her heart to forgive. You can get your copy of On the Way to Casalotus on Amazon or at LorenaJuncaMargain.com.
2: I wanted to say a comment of what you said uh, about surrendering, because you you surrendered, but you took also decisions. I mean, you could just fight, but you surrendered with the decision to write your story, to share your story that might help someone. So I think by surrendering, I. I I think it also means not just not doing anything. It's no, just it's doing about
0: letting go of expectations when you
2: have done your totally best at it all and coming from love. I think Correct. I think if your actions come from love, I think that will take you to the path of real for- forgiveness instead of going to the aggressive system and with liars and and putting yourself out there and in portraying yourself out there with a picture that is not you. Cause
3: well, you also surrendered the negative and decided to focus on the positive, which not only affected in a good way your mental state, but your probably your physical, your well-being. And that's really your nature. I mean, I would not ever associate anything negative with who you are and so I think surrendering all that negativity that sounds like it was coming from the lawyers or from your family but obviously from a place place of love and the best way they knew how to support you
0: but I learned that I had always been receiving love but I was Mm -hmm. not loving myself right you know because my family was around me, my friends. I was actually in abundance in every sense. Yes. But I was being too harsh on myself, mm-hmm. on the why. And so I was being the victim. I learned that self-love has to do with shit happens, and you just embrace mm-hmm. it, work it out, process it, and you move on. If not, you just stay in a, in a place of resentment. Mm-hmm. I feel
4: like people don't talk about that enough, and I think that there's. I've heard you say there was so much shame around it, and I think so often we're we have been taught to put up this front, like we have it all together. I don't know. I my my mother is a counselor, and so I grew up with her talking about, oh, you know, we're all dysfunctional. We all have these issues, and we own it, and we claim it. And that's such a healthy way to to live and to know that. But I think that's not a common thing that a lot of people don't talk about that. And so I think there's some self-discovery with that. Um,
0: I feel ashamed that it happened to me. Yeah. You know, I was why me? You know, I went to, first of all, a lot of people told me, why did you do it in Mexico? And I'm like, I didn't. You know, mm. uh everyone thought they just assume. They assumed that wrong right. things happened in right. Mexico, right? right. Yeah. And, and I'm oh. like, I didn't. You right. know, and it was with all the resources mm. and, mm-hmm.
2: and you have met the doctor before. Yes, I had a relationship did with him. He had a surgery already. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there was not a way to tell uh, that you will say I I don't trust him, Correct. you know, cuz you you went through a surgery already, so it's
0: Yeah.
5: You know, in fact, Lorena, I was going to add that since I was with you along this journey, mm. I'm, I remember the day that you you phoned me and told me that they'd taken out the wrong adrenal and I was on a freeway and I pulled over and, you know, I don't like driving. So <laughs> I had to pull over. But I think I was, you know, surrender is a very, very big topic in, in the yogic, you know, when you do shavasana in the whole yogic philosophical spiritual system. And it's a huge topic, but I wanted to touch on a few things to see, because I watched Lorena's journey, and I think that surrender is part of the puzzle. Uh, I think you all touched on it earlier. My, my spiritual teacher, Ama, she says that be cautious and alert, be courageous, pray for grace and surrender. So there are three parts. I think, Lulu, you were talking about there are three parts to this journey. And ultimately, doesn't matter if we've been wronged or what has happened, without that sense of acceptance that you can't change what has happened, you've got to move on. I think that's where people struggle the most. But when I think about your journey, I saw you know, I see several things that I wanted to talk to mention here. One is, you all know I, you know, I, I work in the alternative medical system, but I, I have a lot of interests and I understand science as well. And the first thing that comes to my mind is why partially removing the adrenaline was never mentioned. And you remember that it was, I, you know, I had to do the, I did the research. I Googled all over the world looking for, I called India, I said, is anybody doing this partial? So it was not proposed to you even the first time, the second time around. They even the assume
0: st- you have two, so they just take no. But one
5: even out. the second time around, correct? They didn't say let's save your kidney. They said, "Oh, let's take the second one out, put you on um, on steroids for the rest of your life." And I think that is the that is one of the problems that I have with the medical system, as if the organs are disposable. I do understand, but they, um, you know, but they are not disposable. You have two for a reason. So that was the first, and. And, and I think the second thing that you see in your story to me is then in order to go after the medical system, you have to become the victim. You have to act like you, don't, you won't survive if you don't get their money, which is, again, victimizing the victim, you know. But I think the beautiful part, so the be cautious and alert to me was this, you know that, you know with me, there's no end to research before you make any decisions. And be courageous, but then The final piece of the puzzle, what I see is whatever happened, there was a chain of, you could say it's even in the stars, it is. I even told you that the period you were running is is related to medical mistakes. It literally, in our 6,000-year-old textbook, it says, in this period, there can be medical mistakes because, well, if your head falls off as a doctor, how are you going to know right from left? But, <laughs> but she's you know,
0: talking about the Ketu Ketu, the, the, Ketu, yeah, the, uh, the yeah, the,
5: the the symbolic version of that, you know that. But the beautiful part to me is that your doctor in, this is the spiritual side, I guess you can say, he becomes your assassin, and your struggle has been self love, and so basically he assassined that part of you that could not love itself and taught you to love, and that I think is the surrender, the the grace the beauty in injury and hardship. Especially the beauty because you mentioned
2: I was this beautiful. You are beautiful. Thank you. You were not that beautiful person. You are beautiful beautiful. now. You don't have to be bikini beautiful to be beautiful. And we all know that. You are beautiful. And and we, go, we all can see that, for oh, sure. That's so, true. Yeah,
5: I don't think anybody would meet you and say no. you're not beautiful. But and I think at the end is, of the day, it doesn't matter unless you believe yeah. it. So exactly. True. So true. Right. But sometimes we have to go through this, this yes. terrible ordeals yeah. yes. to to push away, you know, that all the programming, you know, bless our parents. But, you know, of course, I'm a counselor, so my kids have grown up like, you know, like yours, Elizabeth, yeah. been, constant questioning you are not but most parents don't have those skills they don't they don't even know there's anything wrong with them there's yeah. you know bless them they're doing their very best and so children grow up not feeling especially emotional water children mm-hmm. uh, feeling that their self-worth mm-hmm. so these ordeals are often at least in my work are designed to yeah they are a form of assassins they we, you know, in, in a hero's journey, in any good movie like Matrix, it's the portion of the story where the hero almost dies. You remember that Neo is lying there and he's dying, and then he gets a kiss from Trinity and he comes alive. So in every good story, there's a moment where we all hold our breath and go, is he going to make it? And we've all been through that, at least once in our lifetime.
2: Yeah, and you can ta- take this road of vengeance or the road of forgiveness and having a life lesson and grow from it. And yeah.
0: many people have told me why not both? You know why mm-hmm. why do you have to refuse to the money and the and forgive as well? And I'm like it's not about the money. It's it's deeper than that. It's about the intention within me that is receiving that money. So that energy, it's the it's energy. Yeah, the the value behind that mm-hmm. was not the right one.
5: And I think, Lorena, you were also forgiving yourself in this process. You know, that without was, doubt, with that, with, because the activity, out, outer activity, for you was very much, you know, they're wrong or whatever. But there was you also felt very responsible through this process, and in this way, by forgiving him, you're also forgiving yourself for all the mistakes that you made, or you know, yeah, part it, of. It,
0: it takes two to tango. <laughs> oh, yeah, And it I- was important for me to forgive and move on because I, I cannot control how he interpreted things, but I just decided to do what was important, which was have a meeting with him, talk to him face to face and just tell him, you know, what my two last years had looked like then what would have changed if if I was his daughter or son, you know, And I understand that as doctors, sometimes you need to kind of objectify people. It's one organ, another organ, Mm -hmm. but it's the life of someone. And um, bringing awareness into that and emotion into that is very important. But even with the doctor, I reached out, the one that gave me the anxiety pills. He told me, you know, it's like going to a funeral. If you take this pill... Yes, you know, whoever died still died, but you'll be aware of the beautiful violins and the flowers that are being placed and you won't be uh, grief-stricken. And then by the time you stop taking the, the um, anti-anxiety pills, your whole surroundings will be in a better place. So that will automatically raise you up. So that's why we give like limited time pills for that. And I actually thought it was a good... Approach. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was he was giving me a good idea. I learned that not only do they they blur your Things. decisions. Yes. Um, you become numb. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have to be brave enough to to feel, you know, and and to hurt because I I think I'm an expert in avoiding pain.
2: I think we all are. I think yes. Yeah. I was going to say that we're, we all know. run from it as
5: much as we possibly can, right? Yes.
2: But it's emotional sometimes you pain.
4: have to feel the pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did you take it take the antidepressants?
0: I changed all every type of antidepressant. You tried multiple. Oh. Because it was like, oh, this is not working. Let's change it to this one uh, and then oh, it builds up.
4: My right? feelings are still here. I still well, because feel Because the
5: anxiety was coming from a Non-functioning adrenals. Yeah, correct. From, like from me, lack, lack my of, my of heart was and... beating. You well, know? the adrenals are protect. Adrenals to cope with stress. You need the adrenal glands. So if you don't have any adrenal glands, you have severe anxiety. It's not a. It's not a pill. Will not fix it. Correct. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, and feeling pain is always the hardest. You know, it's um, well. M- many are afraid of physical pain. I'm like, I don't care if you need to cut me open. That was not my, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my pain issue. It was that, that the doctor didn't love me and that he didn't follow back. Well, you know, and that and was you the- didn't
3: say it, but interestingly, the doctor never asked for forgiveness or apologized yeah. or took no. ownership of the grave error, which I thought was
4: incredible. Do you ever wonder what, how he's, if he still thinks about all this?
0: I do. I did for some time, and then I let go of it because, and it all came full circle when I was at school. Um, there was like a little uh, Christmas thing going on, and I, I saw a dear friend, and she was shuffling her feet, and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, could you just pull the 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 chair for me and I'm like sure and then I noticed that she couldn't shuffle her chair in and so I stood up and kind of pushed a chair for her and she and she sat down very cautiously and I'm like are you okay and she told me well I just had surgery this was totally unexpected and I'm like oh my gosh don't worry um so we had to go our kids classroom was, was on the second floor and I'm like, oh, I know every ramp, elevator, you know, I'll take you. We were in the elevator and and she was, you know, this amazing doctor saved my life. Um, I, I had not been feeling well for a long time and he found this and I'm back. I mean, I'm just healing, but, and I'm like, oh, that's great. And who was your doctor? And when he mentioned it was Dr. Humano, I remember closing my eyes and I just said, that's the good in him, you know. Of course. That's, that's a mistake he had with me, but that doesn't make him a bad person. And obviously, I didn't tell my friend, oh, check you, still have your other side, you know. Like, What was
4: your response, though? How did you hold that together to...
0: I, I took a deep breath. I was just like, I cannot... Harm her with this yeah. information. Right. Yeah. Yes, you need she's a, still healing. To yeah,
2: to stay quiet and mm-hmm. let her heal for
0: sure. So I happened to have this conversation like a year and a half later with her when she was totally okay, no. and and she was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I'm like, "No, but I thanks to it at the time, thanks yeah. to you, I said it was worth it." Right, because yeah. you know my hardships for her was someone. That her, had saved her was life. Was paying attention. Yeah. It was
2: a blessing for her.
0: Yeah.
4: So correct. was that a full circle for you? It do, it, was it just kind of lifted it off your shoulders. Yes.
0: And I said, well, maybe this flaw made him check every scan, mm-hmm. every interpretation of a radiologist, read all the conclusions. So maybe I did change the system in on how he. He was doing his profession, yeah. you know. So yeah. that's my romantic side, and mm-hmm. I mean, a fact that that she's healthy, my friend.
2: And you know, and you know, this path of forgiveness you mentioned in your book too—that it's it's for you, even if he didn't say, "Please forgive me." I mean, you know, you took this this path of forgiveness because it's a gift for you, for yourself, for your soul. So it's important to remember that, that sometimes people are not gonna ask you for forgiveness. That usually doesn't come to life. I agree. And you
0: learn to live with that and understand that you can only forgive yourself and love yourself Mm -hmm. because everyone is doing the best they can in whatever they're going through.
2: In the level or their consciousness, because that's the best they can do. That's the consciousness they are living, you know, in their reality is different. The the moving their heads is different. So they might think they're doing the best and they're yeah, hurting you know, people. The
5: mind does that. The mind will have so many ways, you know, it can say, well, I saved 99% of the, the the people so, I made a mistake, I don't need to ask for forgiveness. It is, I think it's just, it's just human nature and it's not singled out to any one profession. Yes. But ultimately, our work is our own. It's really, you know, it's, it's, it's what we are choosing as the path to our own recovery. And I would say that forgiveness is the highest, but it's not always possible. But I think in Lorena's case, it was it was a very beautiful moment and i do remember the how much it meant to you you know how mu- it wasn't so much at the very it wasn't how much how his uh, you know saying i'm sorry but how much it meant for you to say to him it's okay mm-hmm. and that was i remember that so well so profoundly it's etched in my mind because it's such a rare thing for someone to come to me and say I, this is, you know, I'm so excited I got to say this to him. It wasn't, at the very end, it wasn't so much about what he said to you. It was what you wanted to say to him.
0: It was like a trial for Mm -hmm. me. It was an important Mm -hmm. milestone, and I wanted to get out of this fear zone I was so immersed in and know that I could control sitting there, having uh, an honorable conversation without anger, and I tr- I truly did a good job. Like, I, Eduardo was like, I cannot believe you're doing this. And I'm like, so this is what's going to happen. If you think you cannot control yourself, please stay in the car because I got it, you know. And this is, this is um once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I want to pass the test. Own it. Uh-huh, I want to own it. And um, I tend to go second always, right? So... He sat down, didn't even open his mouth, and he truly was there just to support me. And my father had given me a very wise tip. He said, you know, he's in the media business, so he knows that whenever a reporter wants to pull out information, they'll misguide it and just go to wherever point they wanna they wanna make. So he says, Remember, you're the one that reached out you need to hold on to that microphone because the first thing that will happen is that he's going to grab it and he's going to tell you his story mm-hmm. so we sat down at his office and that's what like you know I was still caught off guard and the doctor was like oh yes I'm actually working pro bono, and I've saved you know a lot <laughs> oh of gosh. lives and, and then I'm like oh this is a microphone thing happening grab so it. I kind of regroup reposition yourself Uh (laughs) and you know took charge took charge and I'm like this is what I'm here to tell you I want to share with you my last two years you know all the surgeries and hardships I missed kindergarten and like three years of the kids and while I was writing the book I just noticed that I am very blessed, that I have always been surrounded by, by friends and love, and I was never alone. But the sad thing is, I felt the loneliest people in the world. So the only thing that changed was my perception, and that's the power of perception. I just owned it versus being the victim, and now I'm happy with my own self.
1: Thanks for listening to On My Way with Lorena Junco margain We'd like to invite you to send us your thoughts and any questions from this podcast by emailing Lorena at LorenaJunkoMargain.com. You can also reach out to us directly through our website by clicking the link in the show description of this podcast. This podcast is a production of Terra Firma and recorded from the historic Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to executive producer Casey Helmick, studio engineer Joseph Olguin, audio and video editor Scott Caro, and our special guest featured in season one, including Renu Namjashi.